Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Hello, hello. Welcome to Free Coaching Thursday. I am your host, Sarah M. Chappell, founder of the Holistic Business Academy. If you're checking this out over on the podcast, welcome to the replay from Free Coaching Thursday on Tuesday. How Free Coaching Thursday works is that over on Instagram, every Wednesday in my stories, we drop a little question box at Sarah M. Chapel, where you can put in your questions about your holistic business and any support that you need. I am here to help you with. You can ask about things other than business, but business is probably going to be where you will get the best bang for your free buck because it is free coaching. And then on Thursday around 1 p.m. Eastern time, I go live. If you can't join us live, don't worry. I will still answer your question. You can catch the replay on Instagram live or on the Instagram feed, I guess, or here on the podcast. So you want to be a witch on Tuesdays. So we have a bunch of questions today. I'm just going to dive in because also, to be honest, I forgot to make lunch today. And I'm hungry, so we need to we need to do this so I can go eat. Um, all right. Our first question today is dealing with my feelings of competition and comparison. All right. So competition and comparison are two challenging things that we feel in business. These are things that are really exacerbated by social media and the amount of feedback and frankly, like posturing and filtering that we do on social media. It's really easy to feel that way. This can, of course, happen in your IRL world as well. Plenty of competition and compar- comparison uh, in you know middle school and high school, for example, and in a lot of work environments too, and even local communities. However, I think social media really magnifies this. So there's a few pieces that I think are really interesting to look at, and maybe a couple shifts that we can explore, and one very serious pro tip that I'm going to give you. So competition, like feelings of envy or jealousy, can actually be a really strong indicator of desire. And this is a powerful way to work with the feeling of competition. Usually what it means is that we've seen somebody else who has something that we want, or we see someone who we feel like is encroaching on something that we desire. So competition is saying, oh, that person over there, their work is similar, their work is better, their work is, um, you know, it's the comparison piece too, of course, uh, they have what I want, they have what I need. So this feeling of competition and comparison, we can leverage that as an indicator of what we desire. And this becomes a really powerful shift if we look at the thing that is kind of sparking these feelings and we actually acknowledge the reason we have those feelings is because we want something, then it becomes a powerful like arrow point. Like it is directing us to the thing that we actually want. And this can be powerful when maybe we aren't totally clear on what we want and we haven't really admitted to ourselves what we desire. I saw someone recently whose work is not not the same as mine, but in a similar vein. And they had had this really massive launch, like really big number. And I immediately was like, felt that like comparison and competition. I was like, we've never made that much money in one launch, you know, and I felt, I felt some shame. I felt some embarrassment. Like, who am I to be doing this job? I felt, um, you know, when I haven't had that kind of launch or something, uh, I, I felt some anger. I, I felt a desire to diminish that person, to be like, oh, well, they're not good because of X, Y, Z. So all these things I felt came up. 
And I'm sharing with you guys, honestly, right? Like none of that is stuff that I'm proud of. I'm not like, you should judge people. But these are, these are conditioned and also I think uh, probably in a large way kind of normal human responses, but deeply conditioned for a lot of us. And so what, is, what does this really tell me? Does this mean this person is bad and I have to hate them or be in competition with them? No, it tells me that there's part of me that really desires that. The visibility of a launch of that size to make that much money, frankly, wow, like that would be amazing. That would be a life-changing chunk of change to make in one fell swoop, right? That would really make a difference for me, for my business, what we're able to do, who we're able to help. And that is what that was really showing me. Now, that doesn't mean I have to act on that. I don't have to prioritize having a launch of that size because I had all these feelings come up when I saw somebody else do it. But it does point towards a desire of mine. So I think that's the first step is these feelings, they're giving you information, right? They're telling you that there is something that you want, something that you're afraid you're not going to have, something that you think maybe this person can take away from you um, or these people that you're comparing yourself to. So I think that's the first step. And when we acknowledge our desires and we don't try to suppress them, which is also big cultural training, pretend we don't want things, pretend we don't want to make money or to be well known or to be liked, right? Then we can decide if we allow that to unearth itself, look at it, if it's something that we want to actually make primary and act on. Until we, I don't mean to be kind of paraphrasing you, this was not my (laughs) desire, but until we actually make the unconscious conscious, it will rule us and we will call it fate, I think is pretty close close to the quote. What I was going to say is that, you know, if we, when we're suppressing things, we can't actually actively engage with them, right? We can't say, oh, this is a desire. Is that a desire I want to make primary? Is that a desire that I actually want to align my identity and my actions with or not? If we're pretending it's not there, then it's going to create feelings, create impact. Um, Those of you who are in HBA and are familiar with the belief work tools I use, this is the kind of thing where on the surface, we're saying like, oh, um, competition is my surface thing. That is the the surface level thought, but we we need to go deeper into those kind of core thoughts that are creating it. Uh, and decide then what we want to do with them. So if you're an HBA, this is a great thing to work through the belief work tools. And yeah, so so bringing it to the surface, and then we get to examine it and say, oh, okay, here's what I was afraid of. Here's what I desire. Here's what this is saying to me, this competition and comparison. And I want that thing. I actually do consciously want that. Or a, okay, actually, Sarah, I'll use my experience. I don't actually want right now to do what it would take to have a launch of that size. It would mean increasing my rates. It would mean probably playing some games I don't want to, just based on where we are in business, Um, just stuff that I'm not interested in doing, I don't have the energy for. And I was like, oh, that's not not a good trade-off for me right now, actually. I don't want a massive launch. What it takes to get there is not aligned with my other desires, which are ease and peace and sustainability and you know some and other things. So we can actually make a decision about the desire if we bring it up. Here's the second piece though, my friend. Com- competition and comparison emerges when we are looking at what other fucking people are doing. Right? There is a great phrase that you uh kind of hear in 12 step um which is, you know, keep your side of the street clean. I love that phrase. Keep your eye on your own fucking shit, (laughs) right? Keep your eye on your paper. And that can be really hard. It can be hard because social media puts things in front of us. It can be hard because a lot of times the competition and comparison comes up with friends and colleagues and people that we actually want to be engaged with. 
But if it is derailing you, if it is getting in the way, if it is preventing you from doing what you're supposed to do and helping the people you're supposed to help, that is what the mute button is for. Shut it down, mute it, unfollow, unlike, get it off your feed, get it out of your inbox, take a break from those relationships if they're in-person relationships. You don't need to give people excuses, but just tell them you're busy. And you, person who submitted this, I know you're fucking busy. Whatever. I know that I don't mean busy as a badge of honor, but hey, it is something we understand culturally. Just tell people you're fucking busy. (laughs) Um, But create that space so that you are not constantly engaging with content, because that's really what it is, that makes you question yourself, right? So step one, again, we want to actually uncover the core desires there, use this as an indicator of what you want, and then assess, is this a desire that you want to prioritize? Step two, though, right? head down, keep your side of the street clean. Um, And like, this is actually a pretty like uh, emotionally addictive activity for a lot of us, myself included, this finding ways to make ourselves feel bad, to reinforce feelings of of shame, alone, alonement is not a word, (laughs) abandonment, whatever your, whatever your, your core wounds are, um, this is a behavior and, and a situation with competition and comparison that can reinforce those and give us those adrenaline rush of like, of like, oh, I'm bad, you know? So keeping, keeping your eyes on your side of the street, focusing on your work, putting your head down. We have a lot of great metaphors about this. Uh, eyes on your own paper. Those are, are really the pro tips. Don't be afraid to mute people, you know? And, uh, like unfollow. Yeah. I think that's really at the end of the day, one of the more important things, because if it's getting in the way of your work, which it probably is, if you shared it here, then that is, that's how I deal with the feelings is address them directly, but then also try to kind of go into shutdown mode. You know, I, I, I don't, I try to reduce my inputs. So whatever your inputs are that are creating these feelings, you are allowed to reduce them. I hope that helps. And thank you for bringing that up because that is a super important conversation. Okay, transitioning to full-time running my business, i.e. dropping the day job. So exciting that this is on your radar. Congratulations. The first thing I'm going to do is actually refer you back to our podcast on So You Want to Be a Witch. We have an episode all about going full-time in your business where I really break down how I think about it in a more step-by-step way. And because I prepped for that episode more than I prepped for these lives, it probably is more coherent and more useful. I think, because I just looked it up the other day, I think it's episode 55 on So You Want to Be a Witch, but you can go to soyouwantobeawitch.com and search and find it. I'm pretty sure it's called Going Full-Time in Your Business. I think colloquially, I keep referring to it as blowing corporate, but I don't think that's what we went with because that sounds kind of a little bit less um, mm, supportive. So that's the first step. Go check out that podcast episode. It's going to be really helpful for you. The big things here with transitioning full-time to your business are two. One, have you validated your idea? Um, If you're a member of the Holistic Business Academy and you are working through our new content, you now know all about how critical it is to validate your idea. So if you have not validated your business model, your business plan, the thing you're doing, I think it is a much higher risk to leave your job. Now, depending on other factors in your life, your financial security, your ability to uh, maybe get a part-time job, your you know, all these different factors, maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe you have the time to go full-time and uh, and figure things out as you go. Or maybe you're like me, I'm a very classic bridge burner. I've gotten better, <laughs> but I am historically a bridge burner. 
So I left my corporate job with no plan and very little money. And, uh, and it was really hard and I don't recommend it to people, but often I need to kind of close doors in order to really focus and, and, uh, choose, choose possibility over kind of clinging to a false security. So really what it comes down to is, though, is know yourself. This is a risk management decision more than anything else. So you need to know your risk tolerance level before you make this choice. And I know that doesn't sound like like solid advice, like make sure you have a hundred customers and you're making this much money a month. Because it actually does that those those things are all personal metrics based on your risk tolerance. So to assess your risk tolerance, there's a few things. Think about what would you do if you had a month where your business made no money? Where those sustainability things that you put in place, and you're like, I have this many clients on a retainer, or I'm routinely getting this many people, or I have this many people joining my programs. What would you do if uh, if that just stopped for a month? If something happened, um, I don't know. I mean, gosh, like the election last year, a lot of folks saw their revenue drop precipitously. Launches didn't go as well. People were really overwhelmed, burnt out, uh, terrified, uh, not in a buying mood, reasonably. So, you know, what would you do? And how does that make you feel is kind of like really what I'm getting at. Do you feel panicked and stay panicked? Do you feel panicked and then get a plan of action? Do you have a backup plan already? Because that's the risk tolerance aspect of going full-time in your business is that ultimately you have to weather the storms and you are most likely going to be weathering them primarily alone. And unless you have funders or you you do some some kind of money magic there. And I don't mean money, money magic from like an actual like spellcrafting perspective. I mean like from a finance perspective. No, money magic is great. So that's the risk tolerance piece is like worst case scenario, how do you handle that? How equipped do you feel to handle that? Do you feel like you have the skills to turn around and make some fucking money? And do you, or are you someone who likes to burn bridges and you're, you're a figure outer and you're like, I figure shit out. I'm a figure outer. I figure it out. That's one of my great, my great skills slash coping mechanisms. So going full-time in your job ultimately, or leaving your job ultimately is a risk management thing. So in that podcast episode, again, it's a little bit more clear, I think, because I kind of broke it down into steps. But basically, personality-wise, how do you handle stress? And a lot of us have, you know, some people just shut down and get immediately into work mode. I'm a panic and then figure outer, you know, but I do figure it out. Some folks just completely, you know, collapse and aren't able to figure it out. You have to know this about yourself because that's going to be an indicator of how much prep you need to do before you leave. And that's going to look significantly like how much money do you need in the bank? What is your backup plan? And I know it's very uh, popular. I don't necessarily disagree with this advice. I just think it's really personality-based. So that's why I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know you, so I don't know. Um, You know, there are people who say, like, until you go all in on your business, that it won't grow. Uh, And I think that's true for some people. But, you know, and that if you have a backup plan, that you have, like, one foot out, so you're always going to, um, you know, kind of punt on it. I really think that this is about your risk management. Thank you for this. I think it is my, oh, your question came in a little late. No worries, you can catch the replay. Uh, the other factors negotiating stress, aversion with a partner. Yeah, so that's huge. Um, you know, if you have somebody else who is part of your life decision-making, then that is also a factor. Um, stress, stress-averse partners uh, and, and risk-adverse partners can often be soothed by things, by budgets, which is probably worth doing. 
I mean, one of my number one tips for going full-time in your business is knowing how much money you need to make. <laughs> um, it, it is like, it sounds silly and maybe you've already done this, but a lot of folks don't. They just quit their jobs and like, I'll figure it out. No, know your bare minimums. Rent, food, healthcare, you got kids shit, like whatever it is. What is that bare minimum number? Uh, and that can often either soothe or clarify that you need more savings or you need a backup plan. Um, and I'm also a big fan of the bridge. The bridge being getting a part-time job in between. If it can be in your field, that's great. If it can be something where you're going to learn some skills that will be helpful for your business, even better. But ultimately, you can step down into it. Because there does become a point where for most people, unless you are honestly someone who just doesn't need a lot of sleep uh, or has, has no health issues and doesn't have a lot of like kind of outside responsibilities, where you won't be able to probably scale the full-time business while you're still working. You know, there's just not enough hours in the day, depending on the kind of work you do. So I hope that helps. Uh, catch this replay since you said you just hopped on. And um, I did recommend earlier an episode on the podcast. I think it's episode 55 on So You Want to Be a Witch. I'm sorry if I got the number wrong, but I think that's I think that's the vibe, <laughs> the, the area it's in. And that uh, to check that out, because that talks a little bit more specifically about um, my my recommendations for going full time in your business. So I hope that gives you some first steps. Check out the replay. But it is end of the day. Tra any transition ultimately in our lives is a risk tolerance exercise. And that is deeply personal. So that's that first step. And then yes, if you have a partner or someone else who's a factor, their risk tolerance is a factor as well. It seems worth noting that when I burned all my bridges, quit my job, blew everything up, I was single. So I didn't actually have somebody else who I had to take into account in that decision-making process. Um, so when I say I'm a bridge burner, that's probably less true now because I'm in a relationship with somebody and their their security needs and their feeling of, of safety is also very important to me. That is, I hope that's super helpful. <laughs> Ren's like, <laughs> I am a, for those who care, I am a Libra sun, Aries moon, Sagittarius rising, and I will blow it up if allowed. Oh, and you have two little kids. There you go. You have some factors to consider. Yeah. <laughs> um, let us know what, ha what happens though when you when you work on that. You'll you you will get there. But yeah, the risk management that's all that's really the key. It's more than like a business tip. I do love blowing things up. I'm really trying to learn now how not to do that. Now that I am an elder millennial. Um, all right. Lead generation for my coaching biz, I'm changing up my niche to reach new people. Okay, so for coaching, for anything where we actually don't need very large numbers, um, and coaching generally we don't because the cost of that kind of service, of something that is a bit of a higher tier service, whether that is a done-for-you service, whether that is a coaching program or a one-on-one -on -one coaching service, Generally, we're looking at slightly higher rates, which can make it easier to make these shifts. Things that are less expensive, like um, some kinds of products, some kinds of services, some digital products and things like that. Often we need, we need more people to make more money, right? So that's just like a math thing. So often when people are kind of making these changes and doing something that is a bit of a higher tier product, so we need fewer customers to hit you know, our, our revenue goals, the easiest way to generate leads for, a, for your coaching biz, especially if you're switching up who you're targeting, is networking. Is like old school talking to people. <laughs> um, it's funny, we talked about this at length at the incubator call last night. Uh, some folks had a question about, you know, how do we grow our audiences? How do we uh, get in front of new people? And 
whether you're established or not, you know, if you're moving to targeting different people, working with different people, you are essentially building up some new folks. So I, this is a really fantastic, fantastic place for networking and referral strategies and figuring out who has existing audiences with the people that you want to help, where there might be a, a synchronous relationship, a, um, you know, yeah, between what you do and what they do. So finding those people who are are serving similar folks, but are ultimately not helping them in the way that you help them. And those are the most powerful referral relationships where people are, yeah, where there's like a gap in terms of what they do and then how they help people and how you help people. Uh, you know, for you personally, um, based on the little that I do know about you so far, my guess is this is not going to be hard for you. You seem like somebody who's very good at uh, reaching out, at talking to people. So um, if I'm making an assumption that's incorrect, you know, let, I will tell you that is my reflection of you. So I think that this could be a really great place for you to thrive. And what this looks like ultimately is, and I do, you know, first of all, it's just like tapping into the fucking people you know and asking them for favors. You're allowed to ask for favors. They can say no, but, you know, remembering like, you know, we're all, we're all humans here. Um, you know, you talk to the people you have relationships with and see, do they know someone who could help you? Do they know someone who knows someone who could help you? And go back to this kind of old school pre-internet how humans learned about stuff thing and, and network and talk to them. The second piece then is you know, I do like a referral system for, for some coaching, depending on your prices. You know, you don't have to do that, but if you're looking to do this fast, that is an easier way. People are definitely more incentivized to make referrals if they know they're going to get paid, uh, especially for people you have like less uh, close relationships to. So some kind of referral strategy where you do a kickback um, for people who send people your way, be a really fast way to do lead generation. i say the third piece here is basically to figure out what you can do to help those people who um, have the audiences that you want to access, whether that's doing a free training, whether that's, you know, going on their podcast or, you know, doing an Instagram live with them, but really focusing on it from the service perspective, what specifically can you help their audience with that is outside of their scope? So uh, for example, you know, the people that like I tend to partner with are people who are really like targeted experts in certain business areas, you know, because I am in many ways a generalist. So, you know, I teach foundations, I teach I teach strategy, but I teach it in a very, a very uh, hmm, philosophical, choose your own adventure, exploratory way. And I'm not as interested in the five steps to writing great copy or whatever. You know, I mean, I can do that stuff, but it doesn't interest me as much. So I tend to, so for me, I'm like, oh, cool, you're an expert in this, right? Like we have a, uh, a UX UI designer, as you know, coming in to uh, teach something in HBA. I was like, I can make a website that converts, but like, that's not my area of expertise and I don't want to teach about it. So find the people where there are these kind of overlapping places where like what you do, it fills a gap for their customers and then figure out what can you do for them? Can you do a training? Can you offer a bonus? Can you, you know, do a live? Can you help them make some content? Can you do a a guest blog post. We, Caitlin is on this live. Caitlin said this last night on the call. I hope it's okay to share. It's like a blog with your, like a guest blog with your face. Um, that's the strategy really to leverage lead generation early. Ren says pre-internet writes letter by candlelight seals with red wax. Yes. <laughs> Will you backlink to my blog? XO Ren. <laughs> Seal with wax. So that's really the strategy for coaches who want to scale quickly, who are shifting to new audiences. And I say this is true for service providers as well. 
Networking works across the board, but it's going to work faster for those of you who are doing coaching services, done for you services, things where you are have generally a higher uh, a higher cost, a higher fee. Um, that's going to work faster. So I hope that's helpful as you are switching things around and some tasty ideas there. And our final question for today, y'all, I'm really proud of myself. We are going pretty quickly, which is good because as I mentioned, and sorry, I know this is boring, but I'm hungry and I need to go cook myself some lunch before my next meeting so I don't turn into a, uh, a hanger. I'm a hanger beast, 110%. So um, I'm about to launch something, but everything feels so wrong. Any advice, um, take a nap, take a day off, step away from it, um, take a break. So the, the everything feels so wrong feeling can be a couple different things. Sometimes something is wrong. The fact that you say though, quote, everything feels so wrong. I'm seeing a couple things here, right? Everything hyperbole right? That usually means that we're not really rooted into the reality. We've kind of taken the reality and built something around it, um, which is normal, right? That's fine. But you're probably not seeing it super clearly right now because we've turned it into everything is wrong. Everything, right? And, and I mean that like with compassion, like I'm not trying to like sound kind of flip though. I know I generally do. Uh, but like that, that tends to be a very you know, normal response. We're like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. These three things are wrong. Everything is wrong. Right. And all of a sudden it's a crisis. And now we get to be in crisis mode. Now we need get to be stressed. Now we get to um, have that adrenaline pumping. Now we get to treat ourselves badly. Now we get to cancel the whole thing and blow it up or, you know, work, you know, 24 hours straight to try to solve it. Right. We we get to change the stakes in a way that isn't always really healthy or, or probably aligned with uh, your your kind of business that you're trying to run. So first step is we got to take a break and uh, break the uh, break the cycle a little bit. Um, naps are good. Sleep is good. Uh, movement is good if you're able. Go on a walk. Exercise some. Uh, I don't know if you're doing lifting right now, but uh, lift something heavy. <laughs> So, you know, get, get, let some of that charge move through the body and rest. If you can, I would take off a full day if you're able uh, and really try to like take it off. I know that's not always easy. Um, Wormwood Dream says, as an autistic person, this is part of what I call quiet tantrums. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I like that term. Yeah. These like, these, these places that we kind of like create this like heightened, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So we have to figure out how do we kind of shift that energy. And like, it doesn't mean, you know, that you have to like suppress it, right? You can scream, you can shout, you can punch some shit. Like, I, I don't, you know, whatever works for you, right? Whatever works for the thing. Um, but basically, yeah, I like quiet tantrum is a fantastic term. Thank you for introducing that to me. <laughs> I like, I really, I really feel that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's the first step. And like, this is also, you know, this is, this is breaking the cycle. Uh, this is breaking the trance. Right. So, and I know you do spirit work. Uh, what are your trance breaking ingredients? I think Ren's out of pack is on this call. <laughs> Ren would say, uh, put some salt on your fucking tongue, right? Vinegar. We need to like kind of snap out of it in whatever way you, you can. Um, and sometimes it's a slower snap, right? It's the watching, it's the watching TV. <laughs> it's like that, but you, this is not the time to be making those decisions, right? This is not the time to, uh, solve the problem. So step one, break out of it. However you're going to do it, I'm going to recommend you take at least 24 hours off. I would say today's Thursday. Uh, can you, can you stop until Saturday? You know, can you give yourself a couple days? Then 
And only then go back and actually make a list. And if, if writing isn't going to work for you, um, say it to somebody, say it somewhere where you can get some accountability and somebody else can mirror back and be like, that's not a real thing. <laughs> Gently, you know, but say like, okay, you're saying the same thing five different ways. It can be helpful if you're still feeling kind of activated to have someone else who can mirror it back to you. I know you're an HBA. Uh, there is a co-working call next week. So if that works with your schedule, that would be a really good place to get some of that mirroring and that feedback. Am I like, what's the reality and what have I built into um, a story around it? But I would make a discrete list of not the everything that feels so wrong, the specific things that are not aligned for you. And, you know, sometimes that's, you know, a, it can be a, oh, I posted something on Instagram and people didn't reply. So I am now making an assumption that that messaging sucks, right? Even though I just tried it once. Um, we can start to start to kind of like go backwards on the story a little bit. So just to recap, right? When everything feels so wrong, step one is the very boring, not sexy, not business advice of taking a break, <laughs> um, giving yourself a break, however you soothe, however you break trance, however you help with your, <laughs> your quiet tantrums. I love that so much. Um, whatever you, you need to kind of discharge some of this energy, step one. Step two is to try to make a discrete task-based list. Um, once you've given yourself at least 24 hours in my dream life to, um, to do this. Catherine says, I'm so confused. How is this happening at the same time as your live webinar? That's why I was late. The webinar isn't live. It's a recording. Um, so that is how. Uh, you get to pick a time so that you kind of create that commitment for yourself. But it is a recorded webinar. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> um, I hope that answers that question. Yeah. So then we have to break down the actual and see if there is an actual challenge. It's possible that um, the next day you will you know, these things won't seem like issues at all, right? Sometimes that happens when we give ourselves that space to break it down and let things, you know, just like soothe ourselves, right? It might be after you give yourself a break that these no longer feel like a whole bunch of shit is wrong, right? Sometimes we just need rest, naps, foods, snacks, waters, seltzers, body movement, right? That it's actually like a more of an exhaustion, adrenaline kind of cycle thing that we're dealing with. Or it may be that you're like, oh no, this thing is wrong. And then you get to decide what needs to happen to fix it. So I hope that's helpful. I know it's not really like business advice, uh, but often it's not really a business issue when we have the everything feel so wrong. So I hope you can give yourself some space, some break, some sweet self-care, however that supports you. And ultimately let yourself have the experience of, of like not making this the most important thing for a minute. Um, because that, that everything feels so wrong usually means that we have uh we've gotten a little involved and a little a little expanded a little adrenalized a little heightened or a lot heightened around it and and soothing it yourself will open up those next uh, possibilities all right y'all thank you so much for joining me for free coaching thursday it is such a pleasure to support you in this way here is how this works Every Thursday I go live around 1 p.m. to answer your questions 1 p.m. eastern time I should say uh, to answer your questions about business, you can submit a question over on Instagram at Sarah M. Chapel on Wednesday, starting Wednesday afternoon. We have a little question box in my stories. Come in there, drop it. Let us know how we can help you. And if you want to go deeper, then you can watch, yes, the recorded, um, re the recorded training that we have, um, which is basically you're able to 
sign up at a time that works for you. That way we can send you reminders so you don't forget it. I know a lot of you all are super fucking busy to be honest. So that's why we have it set up that way so that you can get reminders and pick a time that works for you and make that commitment to yourself. And yes, you can, as Catherine was saying in the chat, for those of you who are here live, you can totally ask questions and actually actually go to our email and we can respond to you. So we can help you out with any questions you have during training there. And you can sign up for that at holisticbusinessacademy.com forward slash consistent. And in that, you're going to learn my holistic business framework so you can see how to apply holistic business principles to creating a sustainable business for yourself so you can do good work and make good money and make change in this world and have the kind of business where when you're about to launch something and you're afraid that everything's going to go wrong, that you can take a break. That's our goal. <laughs> we will see you here next week. If you are checking us out over on the podcast, make sure you come to Instagram at Sarah M. Chapel to submit your questions so we can help you there. Um, I appreciate you all so much. And yes, thank you. Thank you for your time. Have a great lunch. I am going to go make lunch. Thank you for reminding me. I had already forgotten I need to do that. Y'all. I, I don't know what's going on today, but I'm going to go make lunch now. All right. I will see you all next week. Thank you again. Bye for now. <laughs>